play is important. And game schooling is great for homeschoolers because it's sort of the intersection of homeschooling and play because you can quantify it in a way that maybe with free play is a lot harder for parents. But the main thing is play. And so I think everybody likes to play. Welcome to Homeschool Conversations with Humility and Doxology, a series of interviews with real-life homeschool moms, dads, and other educators on all sorts of topics that affect our lives as homeschool parents. I'm Amy Sloan, a second-generation homeschool mom of five, and I am so delighted that you are here. Here on Homeschool Conversations, we'll discuss educational philosophy, family life, and more. Come chat with us. Kate Curley is a school psychologist, mom to three amazing children, and an unexpected homeschooler. She loves nature, good books, board games, strong coffee, I'm with you there, and <laughs> dancing in her kitchen. Kate believes that homeschooling can be almost all fun and games. And you can read about game schooling, homeschooling, and more at My Little Poppies and find her hanging out with Kara at the Homeschool Sisters podcast, which is super a super fun one, and I love that one as well. Thank you. Well, Kate, I would love it if you could just take a little time to tell us about yourself and your family and how you got started homeschooling. Sure. So I live in New Hampshire, in southern New Hampshire, with my husband and our three kiddos. My oldest is 12, my middle is about to turn 11, and my youngest just turned 9. And we started homeschooling in 2014 after trying public school with my oldest, and it just did not work. He's a quirky, asynchronous little guy, still is, bigger guy now. Um, but he went off to kindergarten with um, Harry Potter and The Hobbit tucked under his arm and then couldn't sit in his seat and drove teachers crazy. And yeah, we, this is through a spur of events. We ended up here, never saw myself here, but it's been the best curveball that we could ever imagine. I can relate to that with my oldest, who is also now not a little guy. He's 6'4". Um, oh my goodness. But yeah, when he was very, very young, you know, I always tell people like, don't push academics too early. And that's true. But if you have one of those kids who's ready, like, you know, and they just you take off. Them. No. And it's so exciting, but it can be really hard when they're still so little. So they still have all that like little kid energy. You know, yeah. they're not going to like have the same emotional maturity as their reading comprehension. <laughs> right. And maybe even at that point, I would say he was even a little below. Yeah. It was like he had these cognitive abilities, but his emotions couldn't handle what he was learning. So he would think these big thoughts about, you know, just big existential thoughts and have these worries that went beyond monsters under the bed. So it was, it was something. Yeah, that's a challenge. <laughs> well, how has your approach to homeschooling, you know, changed or developed over the years? Because you started kind of unexpectedly doing it. But now it's kind of part of your whole life. It is. So I would say that the biggest change was just that, like many people at the beginning, I started off trying to recreate school at home because that was all I had known. And I worked in schools as a school psychologist. So it's very hard to separate school from education. 
I think at the beginning. And it's something, if we're being honest, you know, seven years in, I still struggle with from time to time when my anxiety gets up from whatever situation is going on, I'll go back to being more strict, more school-like, and it never goes well. So when, it, when things work best for us, it looks nothing like the school of my past, but that was definitely a trial and error process the first year. Well, what have been some of the best parts about homeschooling, you know, out-of-the-box kids in this kind of out-of-the-box, non-schoolish way? I would say learning with them. I learn such, I have as much fun as they do. Um, not that it's all fun. I don't want to make it seem like it's all sunshine and rainbows over here, but when things are going well, it it's so neat to watch your kids learn and to learn alongside them and to make discoveries and to have them teach you. And it's, it's a wonderful process. I learned today that um, Ulysses S. Grant started every morning with a cup of coffee and a cucumber dipped in vinegar. That was his breakfast. Interesting. I'll, I'll <laughs> yeah. take the coffee and <laughs> skip the cucumber. I know. I think I'll just hang with the coffee too, but I just, I just love the things that they teach you and the, you know, you kind of go off the beaten path a little, but you manage to learn a ton together when you relax and let it happen. Well, what are some of the challenges that you have faced with homeschooling and how have you learned to overcome those challenges? I would say our biggest challenges probably twofold. I would say having a child who is twice exceptional, especially in the early years, you need to ask for help, even if you're homeschooling and not be afraid to have other people come into your circle and help you. So whether that's occupational therapy, which is something we did off and on for years and it helped a ton, or counseling, which is something that we've done off and on too, or just having a friend help you with kids. If you're saying, you know, I'm having a lot of, we're, we're struggling here, would you mind taking a kid or two? And I'll, you know, I'll, it's a little harder right now, but, and I'll help you out on the other side. But um, I would say just, you know, ask for help when you need it to recognize that every kid has strengths and weaknesses and that you're not expected to do it all yourself. You know, I think sometimes when we've made the choice to homeschool, especially, you know, maybe if it was because there was some sort of challenge in the traditional, you know, school setting or like for me, you know, I'm a second generation homeschooler. I, I always wanted to homeschool. Like since I was little, I always wanted, you know, to grow up and be a homeschool mom. So then when we're in the midst of that situation and something is hard or challenging or not going the way we expected it, sometimes it can be really hard to ask for help because we feel like we're admitting defeat or there's something wrong or like, oh, well, true. I picked this so it shouldn't be hard. And that's just not true at all. We all need help and we all we have those days where it's just not going well. Right. And it would happen in public school or private school or wherever it happens. It's not, it's universal. Yes. Children are 12, whether they're at home with you or not. <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> 12 is just a very hard year, but that's a rabbit there's trail. A, there's a couple years that were tricky. Yeah. 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 Well, um, I wanted to chat with you a bit about games, because I know that's something that you talk a lot about and are often showing fun pictures on Instagram. And I'm always just like, wow, their family looks so fun. And um, <laughs> <laughs> we're not always, believe me. <laughs> oh, I Never chatted Instagram. 
Yes, that's right. Well, that's, that's pretty <laughs> much a good life motto. Don't believe everything you see on Instagram. No. But in um, season one of Homeschool Conversations, I chatted with our friend Jessica Waldock, and they also love games. And I admitted to her that I didn't really like games. And so now she like just teases me about this and will never let me forget it. Um, so I do play games with my children, but you know, they're not a huge part of our life. But you... that's okay. <laughs> okay. It's okay. I would, I would question though whether you found the right game. Okay, so talk to me about this. Or if you had, like, for example, a lot of people are, grow up playing Monopoly, and there are a lot of diehard Monopoly people out there, and then there are other people who can't stand it. And if you grew up in a, so I grew up with brothers who didn't really like to play games, and when they did, it was either Monopoly or Battleship, and it was ultra competitive, which I did not like. And so I've always liked games. But I was exposed to playing games with other people, which is where I fell in love with gaming. And I think had that been my only experience, that I may have not ended up this way. Interesting. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So there, there's a lot of past game trauma when I talk to people. Because I talk to a lot of parents in our game school group who don't like to play. And it's when, when you talk to them, it's, you know, they had this not a positive experience with some games at some point. Interesting. Okay. Well, but maybe you know, my problem is have to like them because, you know, you, my big thing is you do you. And if you don't like it, I think play is important. And game schooling is great for homeschoolers because it's sort of the intersection of homeschooling and play because you can quantify it in a way that maybe with free play is a lot harder for parents. But the main thing is play. And I think everybody likes to play. Hey guys, it's the holiday season and that means the opportunity to get out all of our favorite Thanksgiving and Christmas picture books. Every year, it's one of my favorite parts of the holiday season, returning to our family favorites and trying new fun titles. So we are already ready with our Thanksgiving picture books and are going to start putting some of those Christmas books on hold at the library soon. So if you would like to know some of our family favorites, you can head to humilityanddoxology.com. Um, I have a Thanksgiving book list, a free download for you there, as well as a Christmas book download. Or if you just want a really easy, clickable um, list, you can head to amazon.com slash shop slash humility and doxology. Again, that's amazon.com slash shop slash humility and doxology. And if I've left off one of your family favorites, I would love it if you would leave me a message via email or record an audio message um, and let me know what new Thanksgiving and Christmas books our family should try this year. Yes, we are made to play for sure. Well, can you talk to me a little bit about like how games can count, you know, quote unquote, as homeschooling, because I could see a mom being like, well, we love to play these games together, but I just feel like we've got to stop playing the games and get on with our real school. Right. The, the biggest thing with that is the mindset shift, which is really hard. And just 
I, I often start off and will show parents the science behind play. And there's tons of research out there done with not just children, actually with animals, but with children and with adults that show that play is important and beneficial for all of us. And that play benefits the whole child, every single aspect, physical, cognitive, social, emotional. And so once you get that and you start playing your games, <clears throat> excuse me, you can actually look at what a game, at the skills that the game itself covers. And you can, I love to do either a game school inventory and or a game school log. So if you have an inventory of the games that you have in your closet, and you write them out and you say chess is working on logic and math and whatever other skills and games you have that you want to check off. Then at the end of the day when you're not playing, because you don't want to make your games seem educational with a capital E because your kids will be less likely, they'll be on to you. But you enjoy your game and then at the end of the day you, you say we played this game and we checked off these skills. And you can include that in either a digital or a pencil and paper old school portfolio. It that's, does count. Yeah, and that's really smart, too, to, to not tell your children, and now we're going to play games for school because that will right. click it off, and they're like, well, that can't be really a fun thing to do then. <laughs> it's so true. It's like with reading. It's like book logs. If you, you know, I was always a reader, and I always cheated on my book logs because they just weren't fun. It takes, it takes the fun out of your reading, and it's sort of the same thing with game schooling. Do you have a particular game that you and your kids are really enjoying right now? Right now it's King of Tokyo. Okay. Have you ever heard of it? No. It, it is so, it's a quirky, it's one of those games that are easy to play. It's got a lot of replayability. You can play with two to, I want to say, eight players. So you can play with a bunch of different people and you can teach them really fast. So we're actually taking it, my kids have a trail, my big kids do trail running in the afternoon. And my little guy, who's my biggest gamer, I meet with a friend in a, in a bird, a bird blind where you'd like check like a bird place, bird, birding. Um, we're going to meet in the bird blind where there's circulating air and everything and play our outdoor socially distanced King of Tokyo today. But that's been out nonstop over here. And then my, my boys have been playing Memoir 44, which is a World War II game. And they have learned a ton and started actually reading about World War II based on the game, which is one of the things that I love about if there's a game that someone's really interested in, it often causes these little this domino effect of learning. That is so fun. And I love that you're going to play in a bird blind. I mean, then it can double, <laughs> it can yeah, double as bird cool. watching. So nerdy, right? <laughs> yes. So homeschool. So like, this, this is so perfect. We'll play in the bird blind. It's got screens. If it rains, we're covered. Yeah. I love it. That's fantastic. Well, other than games, what are some other ways to inspire curiosity and a love of learning in our children? Sure. I, I have my favorite. So nature, if you couldn't tell by the bird blind, we try to get outside every single day, um, either to hike or just to play outdoors because nature is such a great space for kids to be creative and hands-on. Um, and also just to leave space for play, which I think is really hard for parents to do. But I'm talking about just in addition to your curriculum to take time that your kids are just, there's no plan and you're just doing nothing, which is perfect for 2020 because so many things are canceled. But I've been talking to a lot of parents who have seen a spike in play 
over this past summer and creative play in their kids just because there's more empty hours that we have, you know, our schedule might look different this year than it did this time last time in September and that there's value in that and that empty space. And then books, which I love. <laughs> you can find any interest that your kids have. You can, you know, have a domino effect of rabbit trails there with, with your library card. Yes, that's one of our favorite things. A, a kid or or I myself will get interested in something, and the kids know. Well, what do you do when you're interested in something? You go put all the books on hold at the library. Absolutely, <laughs> that's the, the best. best thing. I love all the free time that we have in our homeschool day. Um, even with my older children, so my 13 year old daughter just has that white space for creativity and exploration. This morning, she actually came downstairs. She had created a bonnet. She had seen this on some YouTube thing, but she created a bonnet, like a historically accurate, you know, accurate-ish bonnet out of like cardboard and cereal boxes. And then- Oh, I want to see it. Yes. And had covered it with fabric and a ribbon. It looked so fun. I just thought, I love that you had the time to just- Yes. Yeah. My oldest is into paper mache masks, which is really cool and also very, very messy. Yes. I'm finding textured everything, like handles and faucets, but he's making some cool stuff right now. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, it's easier when they get old enough to start cleaning up behind themselves when they play. Yeah, <laughs> we're not consistently there yet. <laughs> Eventually, one Creativity day. is messy. I keep telling myself that. I'm like, okay magic eraser. Just scrub it right off. <laughs> yes. Well, Kate, one of the things that I am doing this season is I'm asking all of my guests the same two questions. So I first just wanted to ask you, what are you personally reading recently? Okay. So I read multiple books at the same time. I have a book on every floor and a book in a bag and car book. And, but the one that's holding my attention the most right now, and I have to say that I, I usually read I pride myself in my reading list a little bit but in 2020 I've given myself a great range of buffer and a lot of dark and twisty things that I don't normally read so it's probably a lot different than what I was reading this time last year and I'm actually looking at the cover so I get the date right but it's Stephen King's 11 63 I haven't read Stephen King since I think middle school this is not horror but it's definitely uh, gripping, I'll say. <laughs> Dark and twisty. Yes, intense. <laughs> yes. 2020 has brought all the comfort reading out for me, and comfort reading looks like murder mysteries. That's so. exactly, that's what mine has been too. And I've been giving it all to my friend's mother who lives down the road. I'm like, I hope she doesn't think less of me. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit more diverse in terms of genres, but right now it's all dark and twisty. Yeah. It, well, and then it all generally all comes together in the end. So it's a way to take all the craziness of life and feel like it's all orderly in the box. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Someone needs to write an article on this. I keep saying. You do that. No, <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> well, Kate, if you were talking to a new homeschooler and maybe even an, an unexpected homeschooler like, like you were, what would be the thing you would want to say to a new homeschool parent? I would tell the parent to breathe and to remember that they were the child's first teacher and that they've been teaching the whole time. And then I would take a line from the homeschool sisters and say, you've got this. 
because you do. It's just going to take a little while and it's not going to be perfect at first and you'll figure it out and then something will go wrong and you'll have to figure it out again. And that's what we're all doing, no matter how many years we've been doing it. Yes. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you. Okay. Where can people find you all around the internet? Okay. So you can find me at My Little Poppies and I'm on all the social media places, but my favorite is Instagram. And I'm also at one half of the Homeschool Sisters podcast. And we just came out today. We're back with season nine. Breaking news. Okay. Where's yeah. my podcast app? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, at Kindred Collective. Fantastic. And I will have all of those linked up in the show notes for this at humilityanddoxology.com. And you mentioned the game school log earlier in our conversation. And don't you have a, a post about that as well on your site? I do. Maybe? Okay. I, do. I can send sure it to you. Like <laughs> Thank you so much, Kate, for taking time to chat with me. It's really fun. Thank you for having me. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening in on this week's Homeschool Conversation. For show notes and links to all the resources we discussed, head to humilityanddoxology.com slash homeschool conversations. And if these episodes are an encouragement to you, would you take a moment to leave a rating and review and to share with your friends? I am so thankful that you are here on this adventure with me. Let's repent of our constant striving, relish the joy of learning, and rest in the work of Christ on our behalf. Stand fast, my friends.